How's everybody doing this morning? You guys doing great? Awesome. Hey, I wanted to give my two cents on that last announcement that David made. Uh, Apostle Ken Gill is an apostle in Canada and uh, is actually affiliated with the International Coalition of Apostles and has a network of churches all throughout Canada and even some here in the United States. Been in ministry for 60 years. Actually, he's 60 years old. He's been in ministry for about 40 years. That'd be like, wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> and uh, I tell you, the guy is a deep, deep, deep well. If you're new to the house and you don't know who Ken Gill is, I wanna encourage you to come out next Saturday and join the ITI event. I also wanna say something about sonship and leadership. If you're new to the house, you may not know what sonship is, but sonship, which I'm gonna talk about here in a few minutes, is, an, is a very, very important, essential element of who we are as Antioch Church. We believe that sonship is one of the most foundational elements of the Christian life and that everything flows out of our relation with Jesus and with the Father as sons and daughters. And uh, I was actually talking with a good friend of mine last night and we were asking ourselves, what do you wish you would have known back in college? So for me now, that's almost, uh, that's almost 20 years. And I said, one of the things I wish I would have really laid a hold of was the revelation of sonship. Because even though I was a believer and I knew a lot of stuff and I had a lot of knowledge and I was doing a lot of good things, a lot of those things that I was doing was not being done from the heart of a son. It was being done from the heart of a servant, a slave, or an orphan. And that makes all the difference. I'm telling you, this, the, the, the revelation of the spirit of sonship has absolutely changed my life. And it's changed my marriage. It's changed the way that I parent my children. It's changed the way that I lead uh, this ministry. And so I cannot talk enough about the power of the spirit of sonship. Uh, but as far as leadership goes, I want to say some of you are sitting here and you, when you hear the word leader, uh, a number of things happen. Number one, some of you guys identify with that and you say, yeah, I know I'm a leader. God has called me to be a leader. I've been in leadership positions and, and I, I know I can lead and I want to lead better. There's another group of people who hear the word leader and you run. I actually had a young gal that was in our youth ministry when we first got here and she ran. Every time she heard the word leader, she would run even though God had called her to be a leader. And sometimes what happens is we have these wrong misconceptions, these, these wrong ideas about what leadership is and then so then we avoid it. But I want you to know every single person in the body of Christ is called in some capacity to lead. We are called to influence that we believe the kingdom of God is transformational by nature. Do we believe that church? Yes. And if the kingdom of God is transformational, then it requires transformational people. And I just call that leadership, right. all right? It's people who are willing to assume responsibility. It's people who are willing to commit. It's people who are willing to build character that leads to influence. It's people that are willing to sacrifice for the greater good. And to me, I think that should be every Christian. So that's my shameless, shameless plug about this weekend. I'm gonna be there taking voracious notes because Apostle Ken is a great gift to the house. And I wanna encourage you guys to come and sign up if you haven't already. My next thing that I wanna mention is we are hosting our first annual, I'm so excited about this, our first annual Antioch Church Family Conference. And it's gonna be taking place the first weekend of November, which is actually Friday night, October the 31st and Saturday, November the 1st. And I, so just let me give you a little background here. I met Apostle Ken Gill through my father in the Lord, Dennis Peacock, who invited me to come with him to a conference that he was speaking at Ken Gill's church in Calgary, Canada. And when I was out there, the Lord just 
really connected our hearts together in a real neat way. And Apostle Ken comes down to Denver about three to four times a year and meets with a, with a coalition of apostles where they, they get together and for about two to three days, they, uh, they talk about issues of the church. They, uh, they talk about leadership in the church. They identify where the Lord has taken the church. Uh, they sharpen one another. And it's just a powerful, powerful thing that happens there. And so when he's in Denver, we just say, why don't you, why don't you drop down and, and invest into the house? Well, through Apostle Ken Gill and the, and the message of sonship, uh, I asked him, what are some books you would recommend? And the first book that he recommended was a book called The Spirit of Sonship by a man named John Alley. John Alley is a father in the Lord in Australia and Ken and John have been, they've known each other for years and years and years upon end. Uh, I don't even know how, John, how old John Alley is. He's probably into his 60s or 70s and has been preaching and teaching and modeling the message of sonship now for many, many years, many, many years. My introduction into the message of sonship was through a man by the name of Jack Frost and a book that we have all come to love here in the house from spiritual slavery to spiritual sonship. And the book, The Spirit of Sonship has really taken that revelation so much deeper and, uh, and applying it to Jesus, applying it to so many dimensions of the kingdom. Well, I was talking with Apostle Ken a few months ago and uh, just in conversation, I was saying, man, it would just be such a treat if we could have John Alley in the house and help us in our journey of sonship and speak into the house. Well, he talked with, uh, with John Alley and John said, you know what, Ken, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, but uh, you know, at this stage of my life, I'm in the legacy phase of my life and I have to give the rest of my years to the network that God has called me to father. He's called me to pioneer this work network and build this network. So this is the circle of relationships and I'm gonna, I'm gonna father and invest and pour into for the rest of my days. Well, Ken said, listen, John, I respect that, but I just want you to know I, the Lord's done something special between me and this guy, Jade, and something special between me and this church. And uh, I'm just gonna make an appeal to you and ask you to pray about it and make an exception. And he did. And so John now is coming in from Australia. Ken's coming in from Canada and they're gonna be at our first annual family conference and, uh, and we are gonna make tremendous, tremendous strides. And so I want you guys to save the date, mark your calendar, Friday, October the 31st, all day, November the 1st. And then also they'll be with us in the Sunday morning service. So we'll be having some stuff that goes out if it hasn't gone out already via e-blast and uh, things of that nature. So you guys can mark that down and there will be childcare for that event. Well, if you guys are here for the first time, I want to welcome you. My name's Jay Duncan, and this is my gorgeous, amazing wife over here, Christy Duncan. And uh, <laughs> that's my girl. That's my number one girl. Milan's my number two girl. Sometimes Milan tries to battle for that place, and I just have to tell her, listen, mommy's number one, and uh, mommy was before you, and mommy will be after you. So you'll, you'll always be my girl, but she's always my babe. So, all right. <laughs> Well, we, we have actually been all summer long on a series on activation. And uh, you may not know this for those of you guys who've been with us for a while, but today is our one year anniversary as Antioch Church. Come on. Yeah. Were you raising your hand to say something? <laughs> So uh, what an incredible journey it's been this past year. And what we're gonna do is the month of October, we're actually gonna devote the entire month of October to celebrating the past year. So I don't know how you guys do birthdays, but I believe in month long birthday celebrations. 
right? I just had a birthday last week and uh, I just bought my gift a couple of days ago and I'm, I'm gonna take my gift out on the water probably next weekend and uh, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna go buy some cake or something or I'm just gonna, you know what it is? It's like I got a whole month and I'm gonna eat all the stuff I love to eat and then I'll, I'll fast the rest of the year or whatever, you know? But uh, man, come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate, you know, for a while. So in October, we're gonna have some special things that are going on, not the least of which is Ken Gill coming in. We've got the ORU uh, music ministry team coming in with us one weekend. Uh, we got some other special things that we're gonna unroll out and we're gonna culminate our one year anniversary with our annual family conference that takes place at the end of October, beginning of November. What I wanna do today is I wanna shift gears out of our Activate series and for the next 30 minutes or so, I wanna talk with you guys about understanding Antioch. And I wanna talk with you about some things that we've discovered in the past year about our identity. And so today I wanna to talk about the DNA of Antioch Church. I texted a number of friends and a number of leaders that are here in the house, probably about uh, eight to 10 people. And I said, hey, when you think about the DNA of Antioch Church, what are the first five things that come to mind? And I got uh, every single person I texted, they all texted back. And to my great surprise and my great delight, there are a number of people who said almost the exact same thing. And that's always good. That means that uh, we're saying the same thing. We're operating off the same page. It means that uh, what we're building into the house, actually what God is building into this place, the distinctives that God is building into this place, that they're getting into every single one of us. We may not say the exact same word, but we have the same spirit about the words that we're using, the same concepts. So if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles, and this is gonna be overview for some. This is gonna be review for others, but we're gonna talk today about the DNA of Antioch church. So before we get into that, let me just say this one word, this one preface as we kind of set the table. Churches have identities, just like individuals have identities and families have identities. We have an identity. Your identity is made up of many things, not the least of which is your DNA. And so when we talk about the DNA of Antioch Church, what we're talking about is the identity that God is forming and building into us. Now we're one year old, we, we've existed for many, many years previous to our launch last year. We, 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 we renamed ourselves from Freedom Church to Antioch Church. So there's a lot of great things that we're pulling from our past into our future. But at, at the same time, there's new things that God is adding to us. And for those of you who are part of this house five years or six years or 10 years ago, we look a little bit different now than we did five or 10 years ago. And that's a good thing. That's not to indict the past season. It just means that we're growing and developing into the family identity, to the church identity, and to the ministry identity that God has for us. All right, so here's a couple of concepts that you guys wanna understand, and I'm not going to go into detail with these. I could spend two years on this ministry DNA. And those of you guys who are part of the Antioch family, you know I'm telling the truth. All right, so Lord, we bless you today. We're so grateful. We're so honored. Father, thank you for our one-year birthday. Thank you for a time of celebration. Thank you for everything that you have done this year. And thank you for the future that is ahead of us, which is bright. The future that is ahead of us is good. And the future that is ahead of us is filled with you. And it is filled, God, with your spirit. And we're excited to walk into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, DNA of Antioch Church is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter one, and we're gonna look at verses nine through 15. Mark chapter one, verses nine through 15. The scripture begins at verse nine. At that time, 
Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. It says, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The reason why I start with this passage of scripture is for us to understand that the message that Jesus came proclaiming was the message of the kingdom of God. It was the message that his advent into the world opened up literally a new season into the earth. His advent as a human being, God coming onto the earth in human flesh, he was saying the kingdom of God has come. Why is that? Because the kingdom is very simply the manifestation of the king. You know, I've had conversations with some people and they'd say, well, why do we talk so much about kingdom and not about Jesus? Because the kingdom is Jesus. The kingdom is very simply, the culture of the kingdom comes from the heart of the king. Isn't that right? The ways of the kingdom come from the ways of the king. The wisdom of the kingdom come from the wisdom of the king. The character of the kingdom is the character of the king. So when we say that we are a kingdom people, we're saying that we are a Jesus people because the kingdom will never be in contradiction to the character and the nature of its king, which is Jesus. Are you guys with me on that? A couple of statements I wanna make about kingdom for those of you who are new with us. A kingdom is very, very simple. You look at the word king, dom, D-O-M, and you can work backwards and a kingdom is very simply the domain of a king. The domain means the sphere or the space or the governmental rule of which a king has influence and authority over. And I was riding home a few months ago and I was just chewing on kingdom. And I was asking the Lord, give me some clearer concepts of how I can communicate this. And here's some things that I felt were downloaded in that moment. The kingdom of God is his presence. It is his personhood. It is his purpose and his power. So when we talk about the kingdom of God coming to our schools or the kingdom of God coming to our city or the kingdom of God coming to our families, you know, in Matthew 6, 10, where it says, Jesus says, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What is he saying? I want there to be an increase of my presence. I want there to be an increase of my personhood, my character, my nature, my wisdom, my ways. I want there to be an increase of my purpose. I want there to be an increase of my power. How many of you guys want that in your life? Everywhere that we go, see, we are strategically assigned wherever God places us in whatever mountain, in whatever field, in whatever vocation, we're supposed to bring an increase of God's presence. In fact, when you leave a place, somebody should say after you leave, I don't know what it is about that guy, and hopefully they do, but I don't know what it is about that gal, but man, whenever I went to their cubicle, whenever I went into the boardroom, whenever that person who came to paint my house came to my house, something, I can't explain it, but the atmosphere or the, there's just something that was different. Things were chaotic when, before they came and they rang on the doorbell and everything was peaceful. What is that? It is the presence of God that comes because of the kingdom of God that is increasing in our lives, right? 
It's his, per, it's his presence. It's his purpose. It's his, it's his personhood. It's his power. I love the fact that as a body, we pray for the sick in this place. Do you know why? Because this is the training ground where we learn how to pray for the sick out there. This is the place where we get comfortable and familiar with laying hands on the sick that don't know Christ and releasing his power. That's the kingdom of God. And we want that to increase in our lives. Antioch Church is about the kingdom. We are not about building Antioch Church for the sake of building Antioch Church. We are about building Antioch Church to the degree that Antioch Church will strengthen and build and advance the kingdom in our city, in our region, in our nation and around the world. That's what we're about. So we might give money to somebody. We may send somebody to an assignment. We may pray for things that will never directly benefit us and what we're doing because we belong to the kingdom. Come on, somebody shout amen to that. Let's go. Here's a couple of things about what we believe. Number one, we believe that the kingdom of God is transformational by nature. If you spend any amount of time with us, you'll hear me say that over and over and over and over again. The kingdom of God is transformational by its nature. See, when one kingdom invades another kingdom, things change. When one kingdom invades another kingdom, things change. And the true measure of our maturity and the true measure of whether or not we're really dialed into God is when we come into places, things should change. Over the long haul, things should change. And one of the things I'm grappling with as a pastor of this house, as we think about turning our eyes now to the city, as we think about our impact in this community, the question I ask myself is if Antioch today were to be disbanded and dissolved and go separate ways, would the city even recognize that? Would they even notice it? Would they even care? And if the answer to that is probably not, then we've got to recalibrate and we've got to readjust because wherever the kingdom of God comes, things change. They should look different. We believe number two, that the kingdom of God is what I call grand central station. What do I mean by that? You know, there's a lot of great things that are being taught out there. There's a lot of great emphases that people put their time and their energy and their attention onto. People give a lot of time and attention to building strong marriages and families. People give a lot of time and attention to missions. People give a lot of time and attention to eschatology, prayer houses. All of these things are incredible, but those are not Grand Central Station. Those are all railways that come out of the kingdom. And whatever it is that's out there, whatever parachurch ministry, whatever main ministry that's out there, whatever main message theirs is, if it's not somehow connecting to the kingdom of God, they're gonna be off in some way. And what I mean by off is unbalanced. See, the kingdom of God is the thing that keeps every other message out there in balance. It keeps it operating in its proper perspective and its allotted portion. It keeps every other focus out there where it should be within the kingdom. Are we together on that? All right, number two, DNA of Antioch, sonship. When you hear Antioch Church, when you think about Antioch Church, when somebody asks you about the DNA of Antioch Church, one of the things that I hope one of the things that I am endeavoring, can we get some air on in here? Lord, it is warm up in this mug. <laughs> Sonship. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter eight. I'm glad it wasn't just me. 
My wife makes, makes it make fun of how hot I am and she's not talking about how good I look. She's talking about how hot I am. She's like, get away from me, you're too hot. Romans 8, 15, verse 16. The spirit of sonship. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Isn't that awesome? But you received the spirit of sonship. Say, I received the spirit of sonship. Awesome. We're in Romans 8, 15. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are in fact God's children. The first place of us learning how to relate to God is learning how to relate to sons and daughters. And those of you guys who are parents, we've got four little ones, myself, six-year-old, five-year-old, and two 11-month-old twin boys. Just incredible. The journey of fatherhood has changed my life. And one of the things that I love participating with heaven and participating with the Holy Spirit on is learning how to mature my sons and daughters so that they are mature and responsible. Uh, my son goes to a, uh, a preschool here in town. And one of the things that this preschool does, which is so amazing, is once a week, they have a 30 minute time with the parents called parent time, where they actually sit down and they do parenting classes for the parents of their preschool children. It's amazing. And so I went this past Thursday and I'm sitting on the front row, I'm taking notes. And one of the main lessons that they're talking about is they're talking about your children who at this age, at three and four and five years old, they wanna spend time with you. They love being with you. They're asking you, can you play? Can you read with me? Can you hold me? Can we go do something together? And then they said, fast forward to junior high and high school, fast forward to when they're, when they're about to get married and ask yourself, will it still be that same way? And a lot of parents go, you know, well, that's just the culture. And what they're saying is that's not just the culture. If we fight for our children's hearts and we build relationship into them, it is possible that when they are junior high and senior high students, that they will want to be with us. And that's what we want as parents. We want to fight for relationship. Right? So then one of the things that uh, the guy who was facilitating this, he had a whiteboard and he said, I want you to ask yourself when you launch your children into adulthood and you launch your children onto their wedding day and they're no longer under the covering, the direct covering of your house and your authority, what are some things that you want inside of them? And we all began to throw our answers out on the board. And one of the things that I said was, I want my kids to be able to assume personal responsibility for their decisions and for their actions. Friends, that's called maturity. That's called maturity. And see, sonship is the process, not just by where we belong to a family, but sonship is the process by which God develops maturity into us. Now, this is the kicker right here. That is motivated by the love of the father. And this is why I said before I was operating as a slave, a servant, or an orphan, because my motivation wasn't out of the love of the father. My motivation was, how does this advance me? My motivation was, how can I please him? My motivation was fear. My motivation was getting ahead. My motivation was being a better leader or being a better missions person or whatever that is. And when we understand sonship, we understand that our motivation comes out of the love of God. And when, the, when the love of God is our motivation, the scripture says it casts out all fear. Come on, isn't that awesome? So now it doesn't matter if I make a mistake 
because I know that God's not gonna punish me, that I am in God's training yoke of sonship and mistakes that I make are opportunities for the Father to speak into my life and mature me. I don't have to be afraid of him. I can be secure. I know I'm not the best leader. I know I'm not the best pastor. I know I'm not the best communicator, but I'm not operating out of insecurity because I'm motivated by the love of the Father. And that is what God has for every single one of us. You can tell when you're, when you're underneath a leader and they're operating out of that insecurity, it's, it's we've, all, we've been there, it's gross. It's scary. We don't like being under those kind of leaders. And, you weren't, and we're not called to be those kind of leaders. And the spirit of sonship helps with that. How many of you guys agree with me on that? All right, a couple of thoughts here. We believe that mature sons and daughters bring the kingdom of God to the earth. The kingdom of God doesn't come in this random, haphazard, accidental way. The kingdom doesn't come through orphans. It doesn't come through slaves. It comes through sons and daughters. It comes through sons and daughters deeply rooted in the love of God. It's, it's, the, the scripture that we looked at earlier, Romans 8, says that those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. We can't bring his kingdom if we're not being led by his heart and being led by his voice. So what I envision is an army of sons and daughters motivated by love of the father that multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And as the scripture says, the earth is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. Government, education, vocation, arts, entertainment, there's your crying out, will the sons of God, will the daughters of God please stand up and show us how to do these things? Now that's not happening in the natural, but I'm telling you the spirit of those institutions is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, to be revealed. Number, uh, letter B, the process of growing into mature sonship. This is what I call discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is the relational process of maturing as sons and daughters. This qualifies us for increasing responsibility and increasing authority to advance the kingdom. If you weren't here last week, listen to the message on solving problems and that ties in. Sons and daughters are the ones who out of security, out of the love of God, we can start solving problems because we're not afraid to fail. And solving problems is the pathway to growth, maturity, and greater authority and responsibility. Okay, I gotta, I gotta move fast. Number three, DNA, kingdom community. Kingdom community. Another word that you can insert there is kingdom family. Kingdom community, kingdom family. Couple of thoughts I wanna make mention of right here. We are connected. We belong to each other. We relate to one another. And look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse 19. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Another way of saying that is you're part of the family. You're a family member. Notice that we don't have time to break this down, but we talked about kingdom. We've talked about sons. We're talking about family right now. Look right here in verse 19. You see both of those represented. It says, we are citizens, which represents kingdom, which represents authority, which represents government, which represents assignment. 
which represents a king, and you are members of a household. That is our assignment. Our assignment is to grow in relationship as sons and daughters in the same family, and our assignment is to grow as citizens who are bringing heaven to earth. That's what we're about. And that's literally what every church on the planet should be about, those two things right there. God is building a family that has government in it and that has the capacity and the ability to govern the things of the earth. All right, some some statements here. Um, We believe that although we all belong to the universal body of Christ, which we all belong to the church at large, we believe that we are each assigned to a local body by God. And you can listen to that. I think the message was about three weeks ago. And we talked about how our destiny is realized in the context of community, because we believe that God assigns us to the body where he wants us to fit because he knows how we're created. And he knows that there are things inside of each and every single one of us that can only be activated in certain places. He knows that. And so he says, you, you need to be at Antioch because there's something about Antioch that is going to, there's gonna be enough fire. There's gonna be enough pressure. And listen, this is the beautiful thing about God. He will use the weaknesses of that place to activate you. He will use the weaknesses. God knew the weaknesses of Saul when he put David under Saul to serve him. And he knew that there was something about the weakness of Saul that David needed to cut things into him for his destiny. That, listen, I'm, I'm okay with, with the areas that I'm weak in. I'm okay because I know I'm growing, but I also know that the things I'm weak in, they're gonna help you. They're gonna mature you. They're gonna grow you. Come on, somebody. And your weaknesses are going to mature me and they're going to grow me and they're going to grow one another. And that's not an excuse. All that is is saying, listen, God will use everything about a local place to activate us into who he's called us to be. Opportunities for deeper levels of maturity come through deeper levels of community. Opportunities for deeper levels of maturity come through deeper levels of community. Christy and I are hitting things at 14 years that we did not hit in year one. Those of you who've been married 25 years, in fact, let's see, who's been married for 25 years in the house? It's like one of those dances, you know, those dances, yeah. How many guys, how many guys been married for 30 years or longer? Awesome. 35 years or longer. Wow, 40 years, amazing. But Mark, you don't even look that old to be married for 40 years. Come on, 45 years, wow, 50 years, 50 years married. The cold fleshes, yay, 55 years. Oh. 56, Senor y Senora Carillo. You guys, you know, what's really cool is that in my tenure here in 10 years, I had the opportunity to renew the Carillo's vows on their 50 year anniversary and the Cole Flushes on their 50 year anniversary. And those things, they marked me, man. That's awesome. We honor you. We salute you. We commend you. We bless you. We bless you. Mas y mas y mas y mas y mas. <laughs> but you know, there's things that they're learning 
even now, after 50 years of covenant love and commitment, that deeper level of community is releasing a deeper level of maturity. You know, the only way you learn commitment is by committing to something. And all the uncommitted people said, (laughs) here's another belief statement. Kingdom community is essential to the building of the church and the advancement of the kingdom. It is critical. It is essential. You show me a church that doesn't know how to come together as real, authentic family, brothers and sisters, and I'm gonna show you a church that is missing out on power. There's a reason why in John chapter 17, verses 21 through 23, Jesus prayed and he says, God, I pray you make them one just as we are one so that the world may know that I am who you say that I am. There's a reason why, because they're watching and they can, they can spot out phony, fake, inauthentic, surface, shallow, super spiritual, religious, they can, they can spot it, you guys. And listen, some of this authentic community will only happen when you come to a place of disagreement. I feel, I feel my help coming on. So when you come to the place where you want to run and you stay and you stand and you work it through and you work it out, you are touching something. You are touching something that is from God. And you are allowing God to use humanity to be pure vessels in his hand to build God stuff inside of you. I will. Number four, the Holy Spirit. When you think about the DNA of Antioch Church, I want you to think about the fact that we are Holy Spirit followers up in this place. We are people who follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's not some nebulous, uh, foreign thing that's out there. He is the third person of the Godhead bodily. He is the one who has been sent by Jesus to dwell in our hearts. He is the one who leads us, counsels us, guides us, comforts us. He is God here inside of us. We believe that. Let me give you a couple of belief statements here. For, you, for those of you taking notes, John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, and John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15. In fact, chapter 14 through 16, you just read that over and over and over again, and that's our theology of the Holy Spirit. Adding in a little bit of the book of Acts, right? For the sake of time, I'm not gonna go there. But if you guys know me, Acts 1.8 and Acts 2, 1 through 4, those are like, It's my go-to because I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right, some words here that when people responded, some other words they used, they said, this is a place of his presence. This is a place of worship, intercession. This is a place of of being spirit-led. Let me give you some belief statements here. Number one, we believe that the Holy Spirit has been sent to dwell within God's sons and daughters to transform us to look like Jesus and to transform the world to look like heaven. That's why the Holy Spirit's been sent to transform us to look like Jesus so that we can transform the world to look like heaven. Number two, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a very real now reality. We believe that it is available to all believers to empower us in our assignment to build God's church and to advance God's kingdom. Somebody say amen to that. 
Number three, we believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want all of them. I want to see you guys prophesying. I want to see you guys speaking in tongues. I want to see you guys interpreting. I want to see the gift of faith. I want to see the gift of healing. I want to see the gift of miracles. I want to see the gift of discernment. We need all of those weapons at our disposal. And this is a house that believes they are for now. They are for today. They are for us. We believe in all the gifts fully available to God's people to build his church and advance his kingdom. Number four, we believe that the spirit filled Spirit-empowered, spirit-led life is not only available, but it is necessary. I said it's not only available, but it's necessary to help us become more like Christ and to fulfill our kingdom assignments. And finally, we believe that the Holy Spirit is someone that we should follow, not someone who should follow us. Period. As long as the Lord allows me to steward this place, we're following the Holy Spirit. We're gonna follow the Holy Spirit. And I want everything he has to offer. And if we make mistakes along the way, we're not gonna let that freak us out. We're not gonna be sloppy about it. We're not gonna be abusive about it. We're gonna be honoring about it, but we're not gonna let order be a substitute for us ruling the Holy Spirit out of our midst in the name of order. You can have the full power of the Holy Spirit and you can have order because the Holy Spirit's not crazy. And he is subject to the ministry of our spirits. And we'll, maybe we just need to teach about that a little bit more. All right, here we go. Number five. All right, I need a couple more minutes because I got some more points I want to hit. Number five, we believe in the fivefold. The DNA of Antioch Church is a fivefold house. Are we where we want to be? Absolutely not. Are we growing? Are we learning? Are we committed to becoming a fivefold house? Yes, we are. What does that mean? Thank you for asking. Go with me to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, look with me at verse 11. And forgive me if I'm blazing a little fast. I wanna, wanna cram this in here. Ephesians four, verse 11. Scripture says it was he, meaning Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Let me just say this. I believe that Antioch Church, the DNA of Antioch Church is not the clergy does everything. The DNA of Antioch Church is not clergy versus laity. The DNA Church, listen, there are some of you, you, you guys, you guys, oh, you guys are so awesome. I'm serious, man. I get around some of you. You are so incredible. You are so anointed. You hear God's voice. You lay hands on the sick and they get healed. You hear his voice. You prophesy into things. The way that you work, some of you are apostles. You build businesses. You build families. You build programs. You build manuals. You build things that last, that can be replicated. Some of you are incredible at winning souls. And I just say, go for it. More, 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 more. Go all the way. Don't wait for a green light. Be who God has called you to be. Just listen, just there is no hierarchy here in this place. I believe in honor and, and there are things that come with certain positions and functions that are worthy of honor as the scripture says, but there is no classism here. There is no classism in this place. You are amazing, activated sons and daughters, royal priests of the kingdom of God that have been created to be like Jesus and make his kingdom known in all the earth. Let me give you some belief statements here. Number one, we believe that every one of the fivefold ministry gifts and offices are functioning today. 
Are they functioning in their fullness? I don't think so. But I believe they are for now. And they have been functioning since Jesus established a church. Let me clarify this in, uh, in number two. Apostles are for today. Prophets are for today. Teachers and pastors, which we're okay with. We're all right with pastors and teachers and evangelists, but you start using those apostles and prophets and you guys are weird. Are you, are you dominionists? You're dominionists, aren't you? My answer to the dominionist question is very simply this. If you wanna live a Christianity that is always defeated and broke and poor and sick, you go for it. But I want dominion over sickness and I want dominion over poverty and I want dominion over sin and I, I want dominion over those things. So if you're, if you're signing up for a different Christianity, you're not gonna fit well because we're gonna preach victory and we're gonna preach faith and we're gonna preach overcoming and we're gonna preach our authority and our identity identity of Christ. And if you want to come under a religious structure that keeps you sick and broke, I'll pray for you <laughs> with the authority that God has given to me as a victorious son. We do not believe in dispensational theology that says certain gifts, offices, roles, and functions were for one season, but they're not for today. Don't believe it because I believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe the Bible. I believe that he says he is who he says he is. I believe that he is the I am. I believe that he's the unchanging God. I believe that. Don't believe in dispensationalism here. Don't like it. Don't want it. Don't want nothing to do with it. Amen. All right. Um, where's my statements here? Each component of the fivefold is to complement the other, not compete with each other. The fivefold ministry gifts are given as gifts to serve the body. They are not elite positions to be served by the body. I believe that. Each component of the fivefold, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is necessary for the healthy, strategic, and sustainable building of the church and the advancement of the kingdom. Where one is missing, the church will suffer. If we don't have apostles in this house, we'll suffer. If we don't have prophets and people that are being raised up in the prophetic ministry, we'll suffer. If we don't have evangelists, we'll die, we'll die out. If we don't have pastors, we'll bleed out. If we don't have teachers, we'll error ourselves out. We'll get weird, all right? We need them all. And if we don't have them, we will suffer. Boy, all right, let me close on this. Uh, this is not complete, this is part one. <laughs> all right, here we go, number six. Missions, missions, hallelujah. Got, we, got, we got some messages on the podcast for you guys that are new. But uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and said, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go make disciples of all nations. All means all, all means every people group on the planet. And I still believe there are some that have yet to be discovered baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Let me read the second uh, passage in Revelation 5, 9. This has become my new missions scripture. This is the one that fuels me. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation, that the lamb may receive the reward of his suffering. I pray to God that in some way we can touch every country in the world through our church plants. And listen, that, that's bigger than us. That means that we got to think about our sons and daughters. That means that our grandchildren, we've got to inject a missions DNA inside of them. That means I hope that when I'm standing up over the banisters of heaven and I see my grandchildren and my, my great grandchildren, I hope that I see them going to countries I hope that I see them planting churches and building works of the kingdom that outlast them. That we want that fingerprint, that DNA to be in Antioch church and our children's children from the thousands to the thousands. Let me give you some belief statements and we'll be done. Number one, we believe that all people groups are made in his image. Racism hurts the heart of God. It is from the devil. It does not belong in the church because we believe that every single person that was ever created was made in the image of God. We believe that every certain people group that is out there reveals a part of who God is. We believe that with everything inside of us. And if you don't, go check yourself. <laughs> check your heart. Let the Lord deal with you because this is truth. We believe it. And we believe that all people are made in his image and reveal his glory. And we believe that Jesus is worthy of the worship and devotion of all people groups. Number two, we believe that the great commission is still our clear and unmistakable mandate to holistically disciple nations with the full message of the gospel and the full reality of the kingdom. It's still our unmistakable mandate. You know, I, I love how churches, you know, they'll spend weeks weeks, weekends, retreats. We got to get a mission statement. Disciple nations. No, no, we got to get a mission statement. Disciple nations. He said it. Go to every world, every country, and they'll go disciple the nations. What? what, how, what why do we got to get more creative than that? <laughs> go win the lost. Go raise them up to be sons and daughters. Train them to be leaders and multiply them and kick them out to go repeat the process. Y'all could quote me on that. But you gotta like kind of lift up your leg like that too. You gotta kick them out and repeat the process. Number three, we believe that there are thousands of unreached people groups and millions of unreached people and that every people group within nations must have the opportunity to hear the message of the gospel. And finally, we believe that discipleship of nations does not end with people simply hearing about salvation. We want their governments to reflect the kingdom. We want their school systems to reflect the kingdom. We want their homes and their families to reflect the kingdom. That is discipling a nation. And that, my friends, means Jesus is not coming as soon as you may think he is. I know I'm messing with some of y'all right now because you're hoping he's going to come down and rescue us out of all of the trouble that's going on. But if I understand this command to disciple nations, and if I understand that Jesus says this message of the kingdom, 
not the message of salvation, but the message of the kingdom must be preached to every people group. And there are thousands of people groups who've never heard and there are millions of people who don't have a Bible in their own language. Why, why do I want Jesus to rescue me when they have never had an opportunity to hear? That is selfish or cowardice. I can't believe he just called my eschatology cowardice. It is. Because we are still here to make sure they know. Antioch Church DNA, part one. Come on, stand to your feet, you guys. It's gonna be a great ride.